You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to a special Eid broadcast on Radio Ramadan 365. This evening we will be looking at the current unfolding situation in Palestine. Our first guest tonight is Mr. Hamza Yusuf. Thank you, Hamza, for joining us this evening. No, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. Good evening, and uh, thank you for having me on on the show. And um, I'm just uh, saddened that once again we're talking about this very subject. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pleased to be on the show, and thank you for the invitation. I've got my co-host, Dr. Butty, as well with me. Um, it is, uh, normally we'd say, you know, Eid Mubarak, um, and, you know, it, it's very sombering this year. Um, and again, you know, it's, it's because of what's been happening. And I think we want to be able to support our community. Um, there's a lot of upset uh, individuals as well and, and just anger. And it's just to quell that, to, to reassure that, you know, on, on all sides, we're going to try to work together to find solutions that are actionable uh, that are honest as well. So I, I don't know if, if you can um, tell us in terms of what's been happening uh, and what you've been up, up to date with. Well, I suppose I would, I would uh, not in any disrespectful way, but I think I would take some um, exception to, to, to what you say about quelling the anger. I don't think we should really quell people's anger. I think people should be angry. I think people okay. should be um, beyond angry at what they see um, and what angers me is of course what's happening on the ground um, people may know your, your, your listeners may know that um, my, my wife has family in Gaza she's Palestinian herself my brother-in-law is in Gaza his three children obviously his wife my wife's uh, grandmother is there her cousins, her aunties and uncles, all in on Darbala neighborhood in, 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 in Gaza. Um, and, you know, this is not in any way, shape or form a normal state of affairs. And what frustrates and angers me uh, above and beyond the situation on the ground, and I will come to that, is the dreadful reporting and commentary of the situation. People talk about both sides, as though the sides are equal, <laughs> they are not equal. You know, one is an occupier, an occupying force, and there is international law that governs how an occupying force should behave. And Israel is in violation after violation after violation of that law. For, and, and this is the cycle we see every time that um, Israel will use brute force in this case in the, against the worshippers in the Al-Quds Mosque in the Masjid al-Aqsa. Also, of course, trying to evict families, women, men and children from Sheikh Jarrah in occupied East Jerusalem. And then, of course, there's a reaction to that. And everybody demands the condemnation of the reaction. And every right-minded person, every right-minded person does not uh, want to see an utterly condemns the loss of innocent life, regardless of, where that, of who that innocent life is. But to focus on the reaction when there is so much, not just provocation, but when the occupying force continues to violate international law with impunity 
and little if no repercussion whatsoever uh, angers me. And then when I see statements, whether like I saw today from the UK government or indeed from the international community on, on many regular occasions, talking about both sides needing to, you know, de-escalate, there is just a complete misunderstanding about the imbalance that is fundamental to the situation. Um, and, and, and then on a human level, you know, there's many people that will talk about the geopolitics in, in much greater knowledge, with much greater knowledge than I can. But there's a human tragedy, uh, and that's what's been occupying me and my family for the last 24, 40 hours, where my, my wife has been constantly on WhatsApp, just making sure her brother is okay, and, you know, watching the news, and it's dreadful, because I'm a parent of two children, and every parent, regardless of what your nationality is, your instinct is to protect your children, and my brother-in-law, he can't, he, he can't flee anywhere, he can't go anywhere, He's been under a 15-year blockade and all he can do is hug his children and tell them that it will be okay, but even though he has no idea whether it will be okay. And his cousin says, well, maybe we should all be in one house because that way maybe there's a minimal chance if we're all in one house, you know, we're not spread out. So, you know, actually we might not get hit, but the risk is, of course, if they're all in one house, then they could all get hit and they could all get killed in one strike. And that's not a normal conversation to be having. So at a human level, I think we must never forget that there's a human tragedy uh, above and beyond the geopolitical crisis that the UK, frankly, has an inherent hand in, but has chosen to ignore for the best part of seven decades. And can we find solutions by writing to our constituent in terms of... Uh, all the members of parliament at the moment and put pressure that way. Is that enough? Um, is protest enough as well? I think, I think it's not enough. I think it's the minimum. I think it's the minimum that can be done is to write to your representatives and, you know, other elected representatives will tell you when, when they get letters in, they get emails in, you know, it, it's noticeable and, 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 and it can spur action. Um, but it is a, a deep frustration. I'm going to try not to kind of stray into the politics like domestic politics too much at all, but it's a deep frustration of mine that, that foreign policy, trade policy, for example, is not is not in, in, in our gift in the Scottish government. That doesn't mean we can't do more, by the way. I'm, I'm not shying away from that. I think, you know, we need to reflect from a Scottish government perspective what more there is that we can do to show solidarity. But um, it is a sense of immense, immense frustration that those at the moment who control foreign policy for us uh, are a Conservative government who have no sense of fairness in this situation and clearly are not an honest broker at all. I mean, you know, maybe we could look at um, trade that's going on and um, boycott perhaps, or are we too small of a nation to do that? You know, isn't the case of kind of being too small of a nation? You know, pe people talk to me sometimes about trade and, and I'm always happy to engage in the conversation, but, you know, ultimately, you know, whether, a con you know, whether trade is allowed in and out of Scotland is, you know, we don't control our borders. Our borders are controlled by, uh, you know, the UK government. Um, there are things we can do. Uh, when I was Minister for External Affairs, we made changes to procurement so that, you know, if a company was doing procurement in an illegal uh, Israeli uh, settlement, which are, which are, they are illegal under international law, then, then, then that would count against them in any kind of procurement uh, process. But there is more, I'm certain there's more, uh, and so I'll certainly be taking this up 
Uh, I spoke to the First Minister about it today. She's deeply, deeply, uh, not just concerned, but genuinely uh, upset at the situation. Um, and, and so we're going to have a discussion. Uh, we're in a very strange position at the moment where we don't technically, we have to go through a process at the moment, which will go through over the next few days of reappointing the First Minister, reappointing a new government, um, and so on and so forth. But this, frankly, should be one of the first issues that the Scottish Parliament reconvened, speaks about. Uh, collectively, cross-party also spoke to Anna Sawar today, although he's in an opposing party. He, he's got a also strong record of standing up for the Palestinian people. And I spoke to him today, and fair to say we're very united. And when the parliament reconvenes, we're thinking about how the parliament sends a very, very strong message of support to the Palestinian people. I'm pleased to hear that. I think that cohesion is important. I do have uh, to join us soon, Pauline McNeil, and, you know, I think all sides should be able to come together. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that, you know, it's a united front, because I think this really should be uh, because of the devastation and, and ongoing escalations are far and above uh, what, what has been uh, previously. I think my, my, my basic summary would be this, that um, we know the cycle. We know that this issue will drop off the new cycle, maybe in a matter of days, maybe in a matter of weeks, but it will drop off the new cycle. And my urge, my plea to everybody who listens, and I'm guilty of this, by the way, is not to forget that there are people still suffering, even when it is no longer on your news channel. And my plea also, and this again is to me and my government colleagues, but also other governments in the international community if such a thing readily exists, is that we cannot continue to just treat the symptoms. We have to address the root cause. And the root cause is the occupation and the systemic erosion of the rights of the Palestinian people that has been happening not for years, but for decades. And I rededicate myself to that. And I hope others will also do the same. Mr. Yusuf, thank you so much for your time this evening. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, and have a wonderful evening. And, you know, even with this somber mood, I hope your family uh, back in uh, the Middle East are safe and continue to be safe. Thank you. Thank you. And all the very best to everybody. And I know it is somber, but, but I do wish to, to, to wish you all an Eid Mubarak. Um, you know, and, and, and look, many of us will be, um, you know, using our you know, Eid is a great time of donation and, and many of us will be donating to a number of good charities that are doing good work on the ground in, in Palestine. Certainly I will be doing that uh, as well. So I'd urge others, others to do likewise if they can. Thank you very much. Jazakallah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We also have Pauline McNeil. She's a member of the Scottish Labour Party. She's an MSP and she's also joining us this evening. But I'd maybe like to direct this to Pauline who's been in government and has been in, who is a member of the parliament. Um, it, it seems to most people that there's a lot of talk when it comes to Palestine, but not really much in the way of action. Uh, and yet we look at something like Iran, uh, which has had sanctions imposed on it for, you know, decades almost. And um, nothing like that that has, actually has any bite or effectiveness actually seems to be leveled. What would you say to people who say that, look, they're just double standards that we always get? Uh, double standards from government or from political parties when it comes to the issues of uh, uh, Israel and Palestine, that there's just a, a double standard 
there's nothing no nothing like a sanction will ever be leveled there will be you know condolences and uh, and there'll be empty words but nothing that actually well, results in any connection okay well i wouldn't necessarily start with blaming the government i mean the there are not enough politicians that actually understand the conflict I mean, Scotland always traditionally had huge support for the Palestinian cause, but probably, as Humza suggests himself, uh, when something like this happens, we all get out and we demonstrate. And uh, we got on social media now and we um, argue the case for the Palestinian cause and then it dies down again. And very few people actually... Um, some people are scared now because... Um, be, be perhaps they don't understand and it's just, to me the crucial point is people need to educate themselves about this conflict they need to understand that historical Palestine did exist and that it's Palestinians who have an injustice here um, who are living um, under, um, under force in an occupied land where Gaza is under siege by air, by sea is effectively occupied and um, I think there's perhaps not enough of an understanding that there aren't two sides. There is Israel with all its power and might, but I think it's important to discuss tonight why this is happening. Yeah. This is happening because Netanyahu is failing to form or, or trying to form at all costs another government where he has indulged in alliances with the most fanatical elements of Israeli politics. And he will do anything. And the Palestinians are always dispensable to the international community, uh, to governments. And, and you need to see through this. This is what's happening here. Palestinians did not start this. And people got frightened because, of course, all the media bias kicks in about, oh, well, Palestinians are throwing rocks. Um, and now, unfortunately, 300 people have been injured and 28 or more uh, civilians have been killed on both sides. It's an absolute tragedy. I've been involved in this, probably not as long as McNapier, actually. Um, but I've been involved in this, I think, for 25 years. It breaks my heart. It I've been to Gaza five times. It breaks my heart that more people are not breaking down the door for justice for any government, whether it's an SNP, Labour, Tory, whatever government of any complexion, start standing up to Israel. And that's where your fundamental problem lies, is that no one will stand up to Israel. So it acts with impunity. It can fire at children. It can murder children. It can do all of this. It can evict people from their homes. And I've been to Sheikh Jarrah, I've been to Salwan. They detain three-year-olds in prison and mothers are wailing and crying this is a matrix of utter oppression in a society where the world has done nothing and it's the longest occupation in the world. So uh, if I had the answers as to how, but it's quite simple in a way, Britain, France, all the countries of America continue to allow Israel to, to act without any consequences, this will continue. That's where we are. Thank you. Thank you, Pauline. I'm, I'm going to briefly ask uh, Dr. Ibrahim Khadra to tell us just a little bit about the history. Can you, can you tell us, tell the, the listeners out there what, what's, what's going on and what's been going on? Yeah, so um, good evening. Uh, Assalamu alaikum to everyone. Uh, you know, I would like to 
even though it's not a time for it, to be honest, but, you know, today is the last uh, day of the holy month of Ramadan. May Allah accept from us all and make this uh, holy month of Ramadan our dua and accepted uh, as well. And I would like as well to congratulate people for Eid and especially our people in Palestine who their uh, wound are bleeding at the moment. Uh, you know, before I join you guys, I've just heard, you know, a, a message from my brother that is in Nusairat uh, village just about two hour, an hour ago is uh, two of my cousins have died, you know, martyrs, you know, because of Israeli missiles uh, to Gaza, you know, uh, in Nusairat camp. So we know the bleeding is, you know, the wound is bleeding. But this is the story of Palestine, you know, you know since I grew up, I remember, and it's always my grandfather and my father told me about the history. And, you know, we still have in our house, you know, a, a, a bag with our land in the 1948, you know, that was still there to be honest. I couldn't remember a day since I born that we live in peace. You know, even if you go back to the time, you know, before the Intifada, before the uprising, before the, all of that, you, you are not allowed to go to the, you know, to the border. You know, you are not allowed to go to the sea without being checkpoint. You know, you ask, you, you know, imagine in your house and you need permission to do anything and to to do anything, double standard in terms of, you know, who's go out, who's goes in, you know, Gaza now, it's under a big, you know, I call it the big prison, to be honest, even though we have what we call it peace, 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 peace process, you know, during the time of Yasser Arafat, we couldn't even travel to Egypt, we couldn't go to anywhere, so we have friends, families that is, are in Gaza, they can't go anywhere, you know what, for simple stuff, I'm not saying people going to educate themselves, going to study abroad, people going for a treatment, for medical treatment to be in Egypt, they couldn't cross the border, people dying of cancer, people dying of, you know, kidney failure, because they couldn't cross the, 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 the Rafah border, you know, to go, we couldn't even, you know, assemble simple life, I could drive now and go to Edinburgh, I couldn't even cross to see Al-Aqsa Mosque. I think all of my life, as a Palestinian, if you ask me how, how many times you've been to, to Al-Aqsa Mosque, you think you may be many times. I can tell you only once. And I was lucky to go at that time because my dad had a, a permission to go and I was a child and I went with him. So the story of the Palestinian is a daily death. To be honest, you leave your house, you are not sure. You Honestly, you know, my dad or me or any of our families and friends and all of the Palestinians, when you leave your house, there is a big chance that you're not coming back. And if you're coming back, you are coming back dead, to be honest. So you always leave the house saying to your family goodbye, May, you know, Allah hafid and stuff like that, because you don't know whether you see them or, or, or you don't see them anymore. This is the story of the Palestinians. So suffer, you know, from ages to ages, from generation to generation, from my grandfather to my father to my generation. And you know what? You know, my grandfather used to hope that, you know, his son will have peace, which is my dad. My dad wished me will have a peace. And I'm now I'm wishing my kids would have a peace. And I'm not sure that is even possible or that will happen. Oh, that's, that's absolutely. I'm very sorry to hear what you said earlier about your cousins passing away. May they reach the highest place in genital for those. That's just mm. absolutely horrifying. On the Radio Ramadan site, for any of the listeners listening, um, there is a donate button and we're helping Gaza. We're helping through human appeal. And it's basically trying to um, build a hospital, build wells, uh, build homes, provide food, 
all the basics and medical supplies. So to the listeners who are listening, that's just a, a gentle reminder. You can donate from the website and we really appreciate the support for Palestine and for the people of Palestine. Um, Dr. Ibra, I, I, it's just, it's mind blowing. And, and as Hamza had said earlier, it is so imperative beyond anything to, to feel emotion, to feel the anger, because it's hard not to. And I, as, as the host, uh, have to be unbiased and diplomatic all the way. And it's to allow and empower you all to share your ideas and thoughts. Uh, but it's very difficult to be unbiased in this situation because on the one side, there's a, a power within uh, one side that, that's unbalanced. And, and that imbalance is creating this, uh, just a horror story um, that, that you're sharing with us. And I, and, and I hope that the listeners who, who don't know can, can do this hand on heart, I would say, and I've been trying to do it, is talk to my neighbors, talk to people who perhaps would be interested to learn about us as a culture. I, used, I grew up in Qatar, and uh, all the time we, we saw this since decades. This, this has been ongoing. It's not been from just to today uh, or the last number of days. So it's, it's going to take a united front globally. And that's why I've reached out um, uh, to as many people as possible politically as well. And, but it's up to the nation as well to stand up. Um, Dr. Ibrahim, um, what what kind of things do you feel is needed? Uh, what can we do? You know, you, you said, I think, is a quite a, a clear message to people to get educated. But talk to others as well, please. You know what I mean? I want to start with that before I answer your question, which I'll come back to your questions. But educating the people of Scotland, educating the people outside Palestine, but what's happening in Palestine, I think, is very important. I know so many, you know, Palestinian activist group, you know, uh, we are joined with us here with McNapier, which is one of the long active, you know, a, a, a member, you know, of, of the PSC, Scottish PSC for Palestine. You know, Boleyn talk about educating the, the, the politicians as well, because I think there is a misconception about what's happening in Palestine. People think, you know, the problem is people sometimes equalize between the oppressor and the oppressed, which is unequal to be honest. Is what you're seeing today is only in Gaza. Two towers has been, has been collapsed. Two towers has been, you know, missiled. That they've been brought to, to, you know, to the ground. You know, that is houses for people, to be honest, who live there. If children who now is going to be in tenants, you know, to be honest. Can you imagine in, in this hot weather, in this situation, you, you don't have a house to live. You don't have food to eat, you know, during the whole month of Ramadan. And now the, 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 the days to come as well, to be honest, as well. So educating people, asking people to put pressure on their politicians. Hamza, Hamza Yusuf today, I think, was clear. We shouldn't hide our anger. I think it's bad to, to hide our anger. We should show our anger. We should speak to our politicians. We should speak to our MSPs and MBs and put the pressure on the government to do more action. That's the first part of, of what I was going to say. You ask me about like what can be done. I think what can be done is quite a lot. One is you, you started by the medical aid. I think this is an, an, an important topic. We have hospital, but we don't have any infrastructures. You know, you know, I'm a doctor myself. My father is used to be the, you know, the advisor of the business Yasser Arafat for health. 
So I know the situation very well, to be honest. We don't have oxygen. We don't have even, you know, x-rays. We don't have, you know, we have, but there are some, some of them is not operating, to be honest. I think medical aid is quite an important uh, part of what we need. That is one. Number two, I think we need more strong messages from government, from politicians. Palestinians are looking for support. As I said, you know, medical support, you know, food bank as, as well, I think is very important because, you know, at the moment, creating jobs, you know, this is very important. I was talking to Hamza Youssef not long ago and Anas Sarwar and Nicola Surgeon as well at some point, uh, is Scottish government can, can create jobs, can maybe donate you know, to the to the Palestinian, uh, 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 some money to create, you know, to build infrastructure where we can get people who's unemployed to be employed, giving them money. You know, the Palestinian will never accept anybody giving them money for the sake of money or just for no reason. They want to work. They want to get the money out of their sweat. You know, as we say in Arabic, to be honest, that is another thing we we can do. I think putting pressure on Israel, you know, it is as, as of today, and I know Bolin said 28, believe it or not, as of one hour ago, we have 60 martyrs so far, you know, in 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 in, in Palestine between Jerusalem and Aqsa, you know, West Bank and between Gaza, you know, Gaza itself out of those, we need the protection, we need the protection for our children. You know, we need protection, 14 children, you know, if you see the last photo of one of the child that has been martyred, he was smiling, you know, it's, it's make my heart bleed, I swear by God, when I see I start crying, to be honest, that's what we need, we need protection, we need medical support, where we can take our people to be treated, sometimes our people died, not because of, 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 of we don't have the doctors, we have the medical stuff, we have the most you know, experienced medical doctors, but we don't have the equipment, we don't have the hospital, we don't have the simple stuff that we can treat these people. I guess uh, in this half, we'd just like to ask Mick, I hope you don't mind me calling you Mick, um, uh, because I know you from before, but uh, it feels very formal calling you Mr Napier. But how do you view the events that have been going on over the last few days? They are the latest installment in a very long-term project to drive as many Palestinians out of Palestine as possible, bottle up the remainder until they can be got rid of, and end up with uh, Palestine free of Palestinians. Um, that's in front of your face. That's stated openly by ministers in the Israeli government, and it's been a consistent theme. Uh, since before the founding, but certainly since the founding of the state. Uh, Ibrahim mentioned he lost two relatives recently who were killed by Israeli missiles. Uh, I know his cousin, um, and I know the family lost, I think, 11 members in a massacre uh, when a bomb was dropped on their home during, I think it was 2014. Uh, but Ibrahim wouldn't talk about that. I mean, it's amazing what Palestinians don't even talk about. You travel in a taxi and you have to prod the taxi driver to learn that he did seven or 11 years in jail. It's just part of being Palestinian. We can do something. I, I'm very much, um, uh, I'm very skeptical about charity. And I'll tell you why, because uh, famed Israeli economist, Sher Heaver, has uh, carried out much published, much cited research which says that 78% of charity destined, humanitarian aid destined for the Palestinians, ends up in Israeli coffers, for nurseries, for hospitals, for the necessities of life. But, you know, Israel is bound under international law 
to make sure its occupied population has access to clean water and education and the removal of sewage and so on and so on. We are financing Israel to violate international law, to reduce Palestinian living conditions to the, to the minimum, not the biological minimum, but as low as they can go. And we pay for it. I mean, it's absolutely outrageous. And Ibrahim's family were wiped out in a, in, with one bomb. And we think the bomb guidance system came from Fife. Look, the trail of responsibility leads to us. And Britain started the whole dirty business by handing power to European colonists. And Britain continues to make sure the Palestinians are unable to fight back and continues to sell sniper rifle parts to the Israeli army while they maim industrial quantities of Palestinians and uh, creatively applied crime since 1948. But also the British government continues to deny Palestinians the right, the, the, the means to resist. But our, our diplomat at the UN voted against a UN motion for an international protection force for the Palestinians. She thought it would create instability, she said, as she voted against it in the Security Council. So the crime is, is long and deep. And I, I'm, I'm in discussions at the moment in a committee. We're organising a national demonstration a week on Sunday in Edinburgh um, in, to stand with the Palestinians. But I'm part of the group arguing we should not march to the parliament this time. We should march to the armaments factory because I'm delighted. We were very delighted in 2014 when the Scottish government called for an arms embargo against the state of Israel because of what comes at that time called it the deep inhumanity of what Israel was doing. Um, that's kind of gone down the memory hole a little bit, and I hope it will be put back out. Um, and I hope all the parties will, will adopt that policy of an arms embargo. But, you know, the Speaker of the, the, the Welsh Assembly refused to meet the Israeli ambassador when he visited there. Now, the current Israeli ambassador is part of the only openly ethnic cleansing wing of Israeli politics. Large sections of the Jewish community in Britain were very upset when she was appointed. Um, and she's the ambassador. Now, it doesn't cost anything for the Scottish government to say, look, you're not welcome here. This really is dirty what you're doing in Gaza, and we can't treat you as a normal government. There are things that they can do. Um, the other, you know, so I guess I, I disagree with what somebody said, um, that there's no action being taken. There's actually a lot of action being taken. The weapons continue to flow to Israel, even when the United Nations Human Rights Council issued a blistering report which said Israel is killing children. Now, listen, you might think I'm making this up. The Human Rights uh, Council declared that Israel was killing journalists and children, knowing that they were journalists, knowing they were medics, and knowing that they were children. Now, you can't get much worse than that. Nobody challenged the findings. They just tried to smother the report. So friends, I, I don't bring good news except to say this, that when the, when the folk, the good folk of Sheikh Jarrah were being threatened with eviction and thrown out of their homes, uh, that caused the beginnings of Palestinian resistance in this cycle. When they started shooting the Al-Aqsa Mosque with rubber-tipped steel bullets, a friend in Bethlehem told me two days ago, by the way, 
I found it astonishing. There were 200,000 Palestinians inside the Al-Aqsa Mosque compound to defend it. That's a fifth of a million. And, and the Israeli thugs in uniform were, were shooting and tear gassing and so on. But that mass of humanity was able to be moved by their very violent methods. When that happened and when they started shooting and started killing and so on, Palestinian resistance threatened that they couldn't stand idly by. And how can you stand idly by when, um, when your friends have been, your brothers and sisters have been brutalized? So they fired rockets. But you know, the way the BBC talks about it, we hear about every rocket. They don't tell you how many shells Israel has fired into Gaza. They don't tell you about how many families have been wiped out, as was part of Ibrahim Khadra's family. So I have to say, we're kept in darkness here by the media, real darkness. And the way in which it's spun uh, prevents people from grasping the true horror. And we end up unwittingly by asking very decent people who, who, who are so upset by what they see that they finance the occupation. Look, there's no solution until the drive to ethnically cleanse Palestine is defeated. And it can only be defeated by ordinary people and politicians committed to justice uh, joining together. I don't bring good news, but hey, the Palestinians have been suffering endless massacres for 70, 80 years now. They're used to it, but we shouldn't be used to it because we caused the whole thing and we are facilitating the crime. I say yeah, we, yeah. not you and me, our government. Thank you. I appreciate um, your yeah. comments, Mr. Napier. Um, Pauline, um, can I have you come on as well um, to join the, the conversation? Um, it, it, in, in terms of us, you know, myself as a citizen, other citizens out there, Pauline, to me, you're the expert to look up to as well. Uh, how, what would you impart? What, what can can we really do to make a difference? On, on Sunday, there, there's uh, apparently uh, um, as well a, a protest walk, a very peaceful one in Glasgow, in fact, all over the country. Um, and, and it's titled Alexa, and, and you know, to save Alexa. And so there's peaceful demonstrations that are occurring that will show the stance of you know, the people. Obviously, we're gonna say, please, perhaps wear a mask, social distance, be safe. We're still in a, you know, pandemic. Uh, but Paulina, what can you add? Um, what can we do? So, I, I, yeah, I think that um, people have to get involved and they have to show their personal disapproval and they need to, if they can, join safely um, a demonstration or put something out that personalises that on social media. Um, I'm sure Mix is used to the same crap as I get, which is, and that's why people are frightened because, you know, you get accused of all sorts, but people need, that's why people if you feel confident that there are others and we're, we've got numbers uh, and that there's a lot of us, then other people will feel, I think, unafraid because they see that uh, lots of people across different parties from different religions, um, are all joining together um, in one cause, which is to demand justice for Palestinians. Yeah. Um, secondly, uh, I think it, I think the Scottish Parliament is important insofar as 
you can't let any MSP off the hook um, by uh, any of them suggesting that it's a matter for the UK government and it's, you know, we don't, we're not, we're not, foreign affairs is not reserved to the Scottish Parliament. So there really is a job to be done there with the 40 new ones and some of the ones that are returning that haven't really done anything, said anything. Um, you've got to force the issue with people. They say, why would you not speak out? But, but because, because Mick is right. The, um, the British mandate in 48, it was Britain who abandoned the Palestinians and left them um, to face the violence of, um, of terrorists who burned them out of their homes. And that's why, that is why it's really important to understand this point. This is why the Israeli government don't want people to know, the, they don't want to know, don't want you to know about all the villages that were burned down. They don't want you to know about Ibrahim's family, how they were pushed out of all the areas um, in former historical Palestine. And the fact that you've got fanatics with Israeli flags celebrating the, the, the uh, occupation of 67 um, tells you what's going on internally within the territory itself. So people really need to speak out and it's Britain should apologize for what it did to Palestinians. And therefore it has a, it has, Britain has a much bigger obligation than anybody else to try to resolve this, to stand up to the Americans, to stand up to the UN and recognize the state of Palestine. I mean, this nonsense we hear, oh, um, the, the, the Palestinians would be bypassing the peace process if Britain and other, well, you know there's over a hundred nations have already recognized the state of Palestine because the peace process we realize now, looking back, was a complete and utter sham. And it was designed basically to keep the Palestinians busy. Meanwhile, Israel continues to steal land which does not belong to them. So, um, yeah, so people need to get out there. They need to demonstrate. They need to, uh, any small way that people feel is, don't all have to do the same thing. But, we, but you know, even my, my family are not political like me, but they do understand yeah. And they're out there. And the Green Brigade tonight, I thought was fantastic. At Celtic Park, at Scott Brown's <laughs> testimonial or his retirement thing, sneaked in. I absolutely love the Green Brigade for that. Uh, Palestinian flags all over Celtic Park. All these well things done. matter. So, yeah. All uh, I can say is, I'll do my uh, bit. <laughs> Pauline, I've got to ask you, Pauline, and, and address this to yourself as well, um, Mick, that uh, you know, people that listen to Radio Ramadan, a lot of them will be from a Muslim background, so they'll have ideas about um, Al-Aqsa and Jerusalem, and it'll come from a religious background. But what, what, what do you think? Do you think that uh, the ordinary man in the street, and I'm talking about the white, uh, ordinary Scottish, you know, Protestant or Catholic person in the street, how do you think he sees this Middle East conflict? And has it changed now with social media and things like that? Um, I just wondered, because obviously there's been the, the, you know, Pauline touched on the idea of, of the coverage and that maybe it's biased. Do you think that's changing with social media now? Is that, what, what, what can you tell us about that? Is there any, is there any difference with, with that ordinary person in the street? Is that addressed to Pauline first? Shall I come in first, Pauline? I think both of you, actually, to be honest. Yeah. Um, look, I think there's really, really good news. When you think about the, the straightforward horror 
of people coming from Europe and dispossessing the native people, killing large numbers of them and pushing the rest into concentration areas, concentration zones. In fact, they were used as slave labor, as cheap labor for many years after 48, the ones that were captured, um, forced labor camps, reminiscent of Stalinist Russia, even on a smaller scale. So the horror is, is there on one side. Um, and, you know, people see it. It's actually remarkable. It's really important to distinguish between the complicity of governments in the Israeli crimes and the attitude of populations. Uh, there's so many examples. The BBC, I mean, I, I, the only thing I trust in the BBC usually is the weather forecast, but they also do an international poll almost every year of people around the world and what they think of different countries. What do you think of Germany, Italy, etc.? And Israel has been included a few times. Israel is a pariah state, right? In terms of how people feel about it internationally. In fact, so clear and crisp is this that uh, the EU commissioned a poll, and it only gets better since then. The EU commissioned a poll in 2004 of, across every EU country, and they asked people what they thought of uh, North Korea, Syria, America, Libya, da, da, da. Israel was in there as well. Uh, which country was the greatest threat to world peace? Israel came top 59% in almost every country. And, you know, Franco Frattini, the EU foreign affairs spokesman, apologized to Israel for the opinions of Europeans. And he promised Israel that these opinions would not interfere with state-to-state -state relations. And that view is echoed by the other uh, major figures in the EU. Look, that's popular opinion. That's why as a campaign, by the way, we feel supremely confident in sticking our necks out if it's ever going to end up in front of a jury or some other court of public opinion, because we always win with ordinary people, always win. You know, um, so there's good news, but our governments are very, very strategically tied to Israel. And I have to say, uh, Pauline won't be surprised at this, uh, the Scottish government, uh, the city councils of Glasgow, Edinburgh and Aberdeen, Dundee's the noble exception, and, and the main political parties in this country have all adopted IHRA definition of anti-Semitism, which pretty much looks, you know, it criminalises, and it will be advice to the police to criminalise, my ideas, your ideas will be, will be, will be, will be possibly criminalised. So there's... You know, we see the attempts to suppress pro-Palestine voices. I'm confident that's going to break pretty soon. Um, and then, uh, then I think, I mean, I think Israel and, and, its, and its friends are trying to suppress the debate because they've lost the debate and nobody can really win that argument in a level playing field. So I think there is hope. I don't know if Pauline agrees with that. Well, I think so. I mean, I've attended a few conferences internationally on this question of the importance of Jerusalem, East Jerusalem, to um, to Islam, uh, Judaism, and and Christianity, and um, a real fear that so, that religions such as Islam and uh, Christianity are being uh, squeezed out, um, and that's the importance of East. I mean. If you, if you look at the, the, so the final status issues are the issues which are more difficult to try and in the, in the times where we were having negotiations for the, during the peace process, the final status issues like the status of East Jerusalem and 
the question of the refugees was always going to be the tail end, but we never got that far. But um, there's quite, there was quite a lot of um, international support for the idea that East Jerusalem would be the capital of Palestine, but also would have an interlocutor which was international to protect the concept that, that um, the importance, the religious importance to the main uh, faiths across the world. And there's something in that. I mean, you know, I've visited many times and I know for the last 15 years, men under the age of 45 can't visit Al-Aqsa Mosque. What is the first thing that a Muslim person wants to do when they arrive is they want to go to Al-Aqsa Mosque in the same way um, a Jewish person wants to go to the Wailing Wall. But why should Israel get to decide that I, as a Christian, cannot fly into Tel Aviv if I want to because they might not agree with my views and I can't go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is important to me and my religion. So there's a, there isn't just a political dimension to this. Um, there is a huge religious dimension to this, which means the world has to stand up if it believes. Um, you know, I would say the, 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 um, you know, the church and the temple is important to, just important to all these religions. And we've got to share that. The only way it can be shared if it's an international uh, guardianship of that part even under, I would say, even under an independent Palestinian state with East Jerusalem as the capital, in order to make sure um, that everyone can travel and they can be part of, of the, what the, you know, is important to them, their holy sites, um, which makes the whole thing even more dreadful. Um, and they keep putting the age up, as you probably know, the age goes up and up and up and up uh, because anyone under 45 looks like a terrorist. I mean... Um, this is a kind of nonsense, and now we see the um, tragedy of the last the last few days, um, and it feels like it feels like we're in another war at the moment, and it will be endless. I mean, the 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 thing that people who think, oh, this is just you know, so let's fire more uh, ammunition into Gaza, um, you know, let's just quell down the resistance and you know, then Palestinians will look. But the thing is that the, it's not going to be resolved until there is an international interlocutor which stands up to Israel and says something has to happen here. And unfortunately, I mean, many people have argued that Israel itself, Netanyahu, is the biggest threat to Israel because of his flirting with these right extreme right-wing groups in order to stay in power, this is the most corrupt, this is the most, a man who tells the most blatant lies, who's still in power, he'll be presiding over the deaths of his own country and innocent Palestinians. And it concerns me deeply, actually. I used to believe, in my personal opinion, I used to believe that actually there's a majority in Israel for a two-state solution. I thought, because obviously there's lots of progressive um, Israeli people who believe in justice. I've met them. Met, I've met women who refuse to serve in the Israeli army who've had terrible lives because they believe it's an injustice to the Palestinians. But I, don't, I believe the majority of society now, from what I can see, doesn't want justice for the Palestinians. And I think it's a mistake. Mm.
No, there's all sorts of opinion polls, Pauline. The majority, I think 49% of Israeli Jews last measured um, don't want uh, Arab, uh, Arabs for a neighbour, don't believe that uh, Palestinian citizens of Israel should have equal rights, and so on and so on. The, 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 the opinion polling is pretty grim, actually. And we shouldn't be surprised. We didn't expect white people in South Africa to have progressive ideas when they had, you know, four or five black servants uh, who were earning tuppence a week. Uh, or, or Americans in the, in the West when they were killing Indians in huge numbers to have good attitudes towards the natives. It's an aspect of settler colonialism. And Netanyahu's made it very clear they've actually passed a law, Chair. They've passed a law called the Nation State Law, which officially denies anyone in the whole of Palestine except Jews key democratic rights, the rights to self-determination. It's there. It's not hidden. Uh, our governments know about it. It is an officially an apartheid state, but not using the name. And, you know, uh, it just goes on and on and on. Um, and it's been going on for a very, very long time. How many people know about the stone at Kelvin Grove uh, Art Gallery? It's, the, it's thereby courtesy of the city to commemorate the Deri Yassin massacre when uh, the man who later became a prime minister butchered um, scores and scores and scores of innocent Palestinians. In Edinburgh, I'm sorry to say it, we actually trump that because the city there has allowed a, a memorial stone where we're gathering on Saturday to the massacre of, uh, is it Dawamiya, Dawaima, Dawaima village, where they, they lined up and, and slaughtered 700 Palestinians. Palestinian life is one, national life is one series of massacres punctuated by a few periods in the middle. Um, unfortunately, uh, Pauline uh, McNeil will have to go shortly. Uh, Pauline, do you have a last last uh, word, last summary? Would you like to share it with our viewers before you leave? Just to, um, first of all, Eid um, Mubarak when it comes, and to thank Radio Ramadan for um, actually having the discussion that, uh, that we can take part in and we'll be broadcasting this. So thank you for that. Um, no, I think... Um, I think we've got to uh, do our best to try and get as many people on board for. Was it very? Is it uh, a few Sophia? If you remember, is always a good friend of Ibrahim's when he was the um, ambassador. He's been ambassador to the UK, um, the US, and Russia. Used to say that the Palestinians were unreasonably reasonable, <laughs> and that is the truth. And ordinary people need to realise that that um, the two-state solution for even is a huge compromise on 22% of former Palestine, a huge compromise, and probably is the only answer um, that is that most people could actually support. So uh, whether it's achievable or not is another question, but it's for the Palestinians themselves to make that determination. All I can say is thank you very much. Um, I will uh, be committed to this issue um, for the rest of my life, and as long as I'm a politician or not, I'll be, um, I'll be speaking up and standing in solidarity. So just to thank everybody for the discussion. So, thank you so much. Thank you for, for your time. In. What a pleasure, um, Dr. Ibrahim. I know you may have to also go. Thank, um, thank you for joining back again. Uh, you've obviously heard everybody's comments. I wonder if I could ask Dr. Ibrahim a quick question before, if he has to, unless if he has time. 
Um, of course, Dr. Ibrahim, of course. Okay, Dr. Ibrahim, uh, what I wanted to ask you was, um, I know that now a lot of the Middle Eastern states have opened up uh, and normalized relations with Israel, like the UAE. Um, how do the Palestinians feel about that? And do you think that there's any benefit from that? Or do you think it's been a negative uh, effect? Uh, thank you very much, Nadim, for the questions. One something, you know, I want to comment on something. I'll come back to your question for definite, and I'll, I'll be honest and I'll be clear with you on, on the answer for that. But Mick did mention early on in, in, in when he said, I mentioned earlier that I lost two uh, of my cousins today, and he mentioned the 11 that I've lost, and, uh, you know, make his right to be innocent. But, you know, I didn't mention it today because we as a Palestinian, we will never forget what we suffered. We, we lost 11 members. We still, you know, remember them. We still, and, and, and we know, Mick, as you know, this is the story of our life. You know, that's not the last 11, and that one from today is not going to be the last two. Tomorrow could be my brother, could be anybody else in the family to be honest. So this is, we know, you know, we'll never forget them. They are in our heart, they are in our uh, in, in our memory, and they will never be forgotten as, as long as we still are alive. And we, we will pass that, Dr. Nadim, Mick, you know that as well, and Niaz, will pass that to our kids. You know, if you ask my son who's born in Scotland, who's born in Glasgow, and you ask him what nationality you are, he will tell you I'm Palestinian. If you ask him where you are from, Yes, we are from Gaza, but we have been migrated, you know, after the war 1948. So we'll tell you I'm from Magar, Al-Magar, which is the village we used to immigrate from or my grandfather used to migrate from. So that is in our generation. And that we will, I promise you guys, that will be going from one generation to another. That is this, that, that is the, 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 the commitment on us. Back to the questions about the normalize of relationship. I think I personally, I think it's damaging rather than is helping. You know, I know some country is 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 demanding or saying, well, actually, we're doing those uh, for the sake of Palestinian, to be honest. And I, I, I mean, take the example of today, Dr. Nadim. There is attack on Jerusalem, uh, you know, started on the night of power, if you know what I mean. And you know that mm. the holy month of Ramadan, and that's yeah. the most important night for us because it's, it's, it's equivalent to a thousand months, if you know what I mean. Uh, where that relationship, where that normalized relationship between those countries with Israel, why they couldn't stop the attack on, on, on an Aqsa Mosque, which is an Aqsa Mosque, by the way, Dr. Nadim, Niaz, and, and, and Mick knows that already as well. An Aqsa Mosque is not a responsibility of the Palestinian. This is a most blessed place to all the Muslim, not only to the Palestinian. We have the privilege to protect it because we live in this most blessed place. So if you ask me, is, is this uh, for, the, for the benefit of Palestinian? I'm sorry to say no. I think this is to please... Uh, 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 our uh, what we call it, the, the, our new qibla. It's the White House. I'm sorry to say that, but this is the reality. No, absolutely. Look, Thank you. I, I really appreciate. It. I think you you said you also have to go. Um, do you still have time? Hey, I, if you want, I can take one more questions. You know, that's okay. Doctor Butt, did you have a further question? First of all, I, I, you know, when you when we're discussing this, I'm so sorry to hear about your your family's loss and you know we forget that in this discussion it's not just a discussion there's real lives being lost and real damage being done to people's lives so again you know i'm very very sorry to hear about that um i i, I guess really what i uh what i probably would like to ask is um I, again you know it, people say it's better to build bridges than build walls and i've seen the wall um, you know, in Jerusalem, and it's a it's a horrible 
it's a horrible structure. But I think people here, a lot of us are really trying hard to try and find a way to deal with this issue by being good human beings and be uh, better citizens and be uh, more, I don't know what the word is, more, uh, uh, you know, loving citizens. Is there a way to do that by, in the most positive way, rather than, rather than, let's see, is it a way we can, we can come to some solution by building bridges and by building connections with the, with, um, let's say, Israel or the Israeli government or the people of Israel? What do you Dr. think about Nadine, that? I mean, that? That is a very, very important and good question, to be honest. You know, I'm, I'm pleased that you asked this question. I, I, I was involved in the peace uh, process, by the way, you know, when Yasser Arafat was still alive. And when, uh, and I think the, the answer to your question is very simple to be honest. We did everything we could to be honest, you know, to bridge, you know, to build those bridges that, that uh, you know, we were talking about today to be honest. Peace, uh, you know, Oslo Peace Agreement, which is Yasser Arafat accepted, didn't give the Palestinian, you know, 28% of the Palestinian land that we know it's belonged to us. And you know, and everybody knows that according to, you know, it's, it's simple. You know, the solution is not that difficult to be. There is a UN resolution that if, if Israel respect, the, the scenario is, is over to be. We have two resolutions. You know, the, the, you know the, 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 the land that we need to buy after the 1948. You know, yes, Arafat and, and the government and the after, you know, also peace agreement did everything to be honest. We, we, we tried to, you know, uh, give their hand for peace and they pulled their hand, you know, back. We, 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 we try to make peace agreement. We try to, to respect them and they attack us. And I do remember, you know, I can tell you many stories where Yasser Arafat built those bridges. And on the other hand, the Israeli missile, the Israeli helicopters come and attack our, our, our people in Palestine, to be honest. So imagine actually I'm coming to you and I'm telling you I want to be your friend. But at the same time, I'm coming to occupy your house and kicking your brothers and doing all that kind of stuff. What kind of friendship is this? What else the Palestinians do you want them to give? You know, 28% of the whole Palestinian land, you know what I mean? Which means a person like me who is a refugee in Gaza. You know, I, I'm not from Gaza originally. You know, my, my father or my grandfather migrated. I'm giving my land back. Why I should do that? Why This is my land. This is my right to be. So the, as I said, you know, we did everything we, we, we could. You know, as I think is easy. Israel should respect the UN resolution, which is clearly state. You know, the Palestinian land that we buy by after the 48 should be returned. You know, Jerusalem is the capital of Palestine. But that will, will I mean, I hope it's happened at, at some point, but I don't think that the, that the current government with Netanyahu is, 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 the, is, is the, mass, the, the, the country of mass, mass, massacres, killing Palestinian, innocent Palestinian children are willing to do any, anything around that. But I don't think, Ibrahim, yes, it's thank a you. case of the government. I mean, today, Benny Gantz stood side by side with Netanyahu to demonstrate their unity in the attack on, on Gaza. Now, Gantz was the moderate um, uh, challenger to Netanyahu two elections back. Um, but Gantz produced a, an election video. It was quite remarkable. In it, he showed pictures of Palestinian funerals. And he boasted that he had caused these funerals. 
And during this election video, there was a small tick, in, tick, a small tick in the corner of the screen. And for the two minutes, it kept on counting up the number of dead he had killed in Operation Protective Edge. And he boasted he had driven Gaza back to the Stone Age. There is a massive consensus in Israel that Israel belongs only to Jews and Palestinians are interlopers and have no rights there. And that's officially in law, which the British government has not protested against. It can't... Which is, which is what I agree exactly and make with what I'm saying to them. They believe yeah. this is the land that has been promised to them by God, and therefore yeah. no bridges would be able to, 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 to cause any peace. You know what I mean? So, I mean, Mick is right. They believe this is a land given them to, you know, by God, and no matter what you offer, will still be, you know, a, a, a residence or, or whatever you call it, a migrant in, in the land, which is need to be pushed out at some point. I mean, you have to imagine and, some, uh, you have to imagine some some Italians turning up <laughs> to Hadrian's Wall and saying, "My ancestors were here on the wall two thousand years ago, and therefore I'm I'm booting you guys out." Or some Norwegians who say, you know, my ancestors were Vikings and they used to live here. It's, it's completely crazy. It's absurd. It's monstrously cruel. But for, for, for Ibrahim and his family and so many families like theirs, and I know many of them, it's unbearably cruel. And it is dedicated to their being driven out of Palestine, just as the, the, the Myanmar government drove out the Rohingya. I mean, it doesn't take words. It just takes the listener to pay attention and it becomes overwhelmingly clear. Um, that absolutely, absolutely, Mr. Napier. I, I just wanted to say thank you to um, Dr. Ibrahim Khadra. He does have to go just now. So thank you for joining us, Dr. Ibrahim. Um, My pleasure. And thank you to you and to Radio Ramadan for raising the issue of Palestine and what was going on. And as I said, you know, the, 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 the wound is bleeding, but with that, I'm sure all the Palestinians will celebrate tomorrow because this is the Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu So I wish you all, and I wish you know the, the people of Palestine, the people of Scotland, the Muslim community everywhere, a happy Eid, and may Allah accept from us all, inshallah. Inshallah, and I think you and I should maybe try to go and see the First Minister and have a conversation as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Inshallah. Absolutely. Okay. Inshallah. Salam alaikum. So thank you. Bye. Well, thank you for having me. I won't abuse my position of being the last man standing and all. No, no, no. You, you, you're still with no, us. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted, I wanted to um, talk to you longer, um, uh, as well, because and also I, I did this uh, purposely. Uh, I, I, off, okay, so I want to know about you, okay? Because listeners are listening, like myself. I, I've been uh, living in, on the mountains in Switzerland, because uh, that's where I was working. And so, you know, I've returned here to Scotland and I'd love to know more about yourself in terms of what built this passion in you to do, to fight for justice for the Palestinians? What's your history in this? Well, I was uh, lucky enough to be born in Glasgow Okay, that wasn't luck, but it was 19... By 1967, I was ready to go to university, and uh, it was Annus Mirabilis. Um, but I spent four years at university opposing the Vietnam War. And you know, that was... America invaded Vietnam, killed three million people in Indochina. They said, they said Vietnam had invaded Vietnam, so we're going to uh, stop it. Um, and three million people died. 
it was it was a it was a period of huge engagement. And you know something? We won. We won. American militarism was defeated by an alliance of the Vietnamese people, uh, millions of people like me around the world, and American soldiers who refused to obey orders. And it was an absolutely amazing process. But we won. And so I carry that through even more than the struggle against racism in Vietnam, in South Africa, sorry, where, by the way, I would have been superior to, to Nadim here, no matter how bright he is, no matter how thick I am, I would have been superior to him in that vile system from, from birth till death. And he could never have tried to be my equal. That was apartheid South Africa. And we defeated it, you know, we defeated it. And we have a Mandela place in Glasgow city centre. Never forget that. I know Muslims go to Mecca, but, you know, I would go to Mandela place as a place of pilgrimage. It's, it's an amazing thought that we played a role in that. Yeah. So the same thing's going to happen with Palestine. It doesn't matter how... Yeah. It doesn't matter how the repression is, and they try and shut us up. Ultimately, there's seven million Jews in Palestine. Two million of them are not are not Zionists, and there's four hundred, three hundred and fifty million Arabs, a billion Muslims. And if they weren't such rubbish, they would get their act together and support the Palestinians. The end is determined. Israel can't prevail against that. So it's unsustainable. You know the the the, the crimes, the the horror. But, you know, I, I've been to Palestine a few times and always Palestinians say to you, please go back and tell people what's happening here. Well, I took the hospitality, so I've got to, I've got to repay it, yeah? I've got to tell people the truth mm -hmm. and we've got to try to do what we can. No, I, I appreciate what it is, Niaz. Uh, no, I appreciate that. That's really insightful. And I'm glad you mentioned South Africa, especially because apartheid is what's going on. And, and imperatively, there was... a. I guess that I had wanted, but obviously he, he's stuck in Africa right now, uh, in free Africa, because, uh, you, you know, he, he was a rule breaker. Um, he's re retired, thankfully now, but uh, um, he's stuck there for due to the pandemic and nothing uh, less than that. But he, he basically uh, was pushed out to here because of apartheid, because he was against it and he was always fighting to um, get rid of it. And I think uh, that's what uh, I, I had hoped to, you know, bring on his little story uh, that, you know, it's not, it's not easy. It's going to be absolutely horrific. Um, and these escalations are beyond horrific. There's such a horrible imbalance uh, when, uh, you know, during Trump's time, so much uh, in terms of weaponry and, and armaments, et cetera, have been flown over. Uh, with uh, carte blanche uh, via uh, Trump or family, you know, et cetera, et cetera, as we saw in, during his presidency. So under Biden, um, which is, you know, America is a superpower. They, they can do actually quite a lot. It's the lobby system that inhibits it. Um, so for us, I, I was being very serious with Dr. Ibrahim. I, I really think, you know, grassroots level, you know, that story of so many people in his family passing away. The Palestinians are so together, like family, and they're so kind and generous when they're even here. And I, I've seen that. I've heard so many stories. I grew up with so many in Qatar that it's heartbreaking not to be able to, as a, as a nation here, to get him and others like the Palestinian ambassador as well should 
come up and have this conversation with their brain and with the first minister. That's something I would actually uh, request of the first minister is listening to our show, you know, uh, this Thursday night, um, this Eid, can, our Eid. Can I, can I just ask a question of Mick there? Um, um, Mick, I, I, I grew up when, you know, all the protests against apartheid came up and I saw how the cultural movements against apartheid, South African apartheid, really took off, you know, the music, uh, all that kind of thing, you know, the way people protested on, you know, celebrities protested. I don't see that same thing happening with Palestine, even though it's apartheid. Do you, do you think that's fair? Why do you think that is? Or is well, it? What's the, you mentioned artists, Nadim. What's the, look, uh, what's the biggest arts festival in the world? Uh, Do you know what it is? Edinburgh. Every year, lockdown. Edinburgh. Edinburgh, now, yeah. Since, since 2014, we have kicked every state-sponsored Israeli artistic troupe out of the Edinburgh Festival. They don't come back anymore. They know they will get a very firm opposition. If, if, so, if Israelis come over without in, being encumbered by money from the state or sponsorship from the state, they'll have a great time. We don't have a problem with them. It's the apartheid state that is... Now, that's not, that's not a meagre achievement to have them booted out of the biggest arts festival in the world. And folk are doing that all over the world, by the way. And, I, and the Israelis may not tell you on your programme, they're deeply worried. They're deeply worried about the boycott, divestment and sanctions movement and the, and the possible impact. Because, you know, there was a few weeks when, well, for more than a few weeks, Durban Dockers in South Africa refused to handle any Israeli goods. And that was followed suit uh, for a short time, purely by Scandinavian Dockers, Dockers in Australia, Dockers in the West, Port, the West Indian port of Cochin, refused Israeli uh, uh, goods. And the Israelis were terrified. Imagine this happened. You saw how one tanker blocking the Suez Canal can cause a problem. What if the Dockers, and the same thing happened, by the way, in Oakland Port in California, where there was a community picket that turned away Israeli ships. Same thing happened in Tunisia recently. But by the way, the same week that the Canadian government, I've got a Canadian passport, the same week the Canadian government basically declared the boycott of Israel illegal, that same week, Dockers in, in Vancouver turned away an Israeli ship. They just they 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 lifted two fingers to the I can do it in radio because nobody sees me. They, they 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 lifted two fingers to the government. And that that uh, difference between elites and governments and ordinary people, right? That's what's um that's what's the the, the hope. One Israeli diplomat, the the ambassador Ron Prosser. I urge your readers, your viewers, to, to listeners to, to think about this. He, before he left for the UN, he got promoted. He wrote an article in, in The Telegraph talking about our common democratic heritage, blah, 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 blah. But he also said in that article, look, things are bad. He compared, he compared Britain to a high-rise uh, building. And he said, in the, uh, in the top level, in the penthouse, he said, relations are great. We get on so well with the government and corporate Britain. He said, every other of the building, there's a big problem with public opinion towards Israel. And he said, if this continues, it will cause problems for state-to-state -state relations. That's what we're working on. We don't aim to persuade Boris Johnson of the evil of his ways. He wouldn't know what you were talking about. He can't even count the number of his children. 
what we aim to do is to ratchet up the pressure so that that causes real, as it did in South Africa. Margaret Thatcher thought Nelson Mandela was a terrorist, but mm. then she had to, pressure yeah. forced her to change her mind and shake his hand in, in a lovely scene <laughs> where she tried mm. to creep up close to the man she thought was a terrorist for a selfie. Yeah, Those, those mm. days will come on yeah. Palestine. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's um it's just you know I'll, I'll remind everybody that they can go on the website to donate to the human appeal cause that we've been running, um, and that will continue to be running. Um, so you can go online to donate, um, it, and you can also go in person for donations to and hand it in uh, in terms of cash, et cetera, to Strawberry Garden, which is a, on 11 4th Street, Pollock Shields. That's 11 4th Street, Pollock Shields, and that's Strawberry Garden. I'm sure everybody knows. It's, uh, it's very painful to, you know, just go over the news. And, and, and it's, you know, one of the worst uh, Eids, I would say, to celebrate because it doesn't feel like a celebration anymore because of the violence. And I think he, finally, it's hard to, to see, but I think finally people are uprising more. I'm feeling that's a sentiment. Um, I was disappointed that my Swiss friends are out of touch because they live in a bubble in Switzerland. They all live in this bubble where they're untouched by anything except their own Swiss news. And, and they're far too diplomatic and go under into the sand. And I, I've lived there so long that I can say that. And what I've tried to do is educate them in a small portion, which is not easy at all. Um, so in, in the final, you know, we've got about five, five minutes or so. Uh, Ms. Napier, um, do you think the solutions are for for us? Okay, protest is one that was mentioned. Um, you know, so we should be reaching out. And the smallest thing we can do is reach out to politicians. But there's more to more to do. It, and I think I, I've said this, and I do challenge positively to have dialogue. I'd love to have dialogue with people like Ibrahim, the Palestinian. Uh, um, um, ambassador as well, and, and community members who can have a positive influence to bring about peace, because it's, you know, this this has been going on for what, what feels like, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's beyond my lifetime, beyond, beyond our lifetime, and we need to drive for peace, and unfortunately, all the political players globally aren't on board, although they want, they recognize Palestine and the majority. What are your thoughts, Mr. Napier? What, what can we do? I, I mentioned Vietnam. The, um, our governments were wholly in support of the invasion by Hillian troops. Uh, Britain gave political support, although not soldiers on the ground, to the invasion and damned the Vietnamese who opposed the invasion of, uh, of North American uh, troops. So we've, we've, it wasn't that we won over the politicians. It was a mass movement uh, which 
fused together in the person, for example, of Martin Luther King, opposition to that war with opposition to racism. Shortly after he made that fusion, he was killed, of course. Um, and, and it was a mass movement. It was a mass movement that, that actually very deeply worried our rulers. And it worried them so much that they cut their losses and said, we better withdraw. We better pull the army out. Because the army was actually breaking. It was a, lo it was a long, slow mutiny. And many officers actually were being shot by American soldiers because they didn't want to fight in that war. So it was long. It was extremely bloody and costly for the colonial people fighting for independence. But we played a role in reducing that cost by an amount we'll never know. But we helped. We were in the trenches with them and with South Africa. You never know when the old system's going to collapse. You have to. And it. Even if you don't think you're going to win, you can still stay clean. See, we if we don't oppose this system, we'll be contaminated by it. Um, Israel doesn't allow Ibrahim to fly into his to Palestine uh, via Tel Aviv airport. It's not it's not open to Palestinians. It's apartheid. Me, but not him. He's he would be turned away. What happens in Edinburgh Airport when there are flights? That apartheid system reaches into Edinburgh. It does because they have to they have to carry out the same the same regulations for who's allowed on the on the plane. They have to vet people approaching. So, you know, if we don't fight it, it contaminates us. It's, I think Abraham Lincoln said a society cannot be half slave and half free, and he didn't fight slavery because he he wanted to, because he felt it would swamp the other states if he didn't. And I think it's the same with us. Is look, how many of you, have you, how many of your listeners know that there is an Israeli military-grade surveillance system operating in city centre? It was bought by the Cameron government for twenty-three million, I think. It was designed by a group of people in the Israeli military to surveil Palestinians, and it was so malign that 43 soldiers from the unit, the Israeli soldiers, resigned because they said it was being used for surveillance and blackmail. They would try to identify Palestinians who, you, your mother needs an operation. They'll find out and they'll phone you and say, your mother can get the operation, but you have to do, you have to be a collaborator. They might find out that somebody's gay, homosexual. They would uh, phone them up and say, we'll out you in a conservative society unless you become a collaborator. And 43 Israeli soldiers resigned because this system was so malign they couldn't live with themselves. So it's, I'm not making this up. It's in Israeli newspapers. And that system is now deployed in Glasgow city centre. Look, guys, it doesn't mean as well. It's not that it's got emotional recognition software. So that if you're having a bad day walking through George Square, that camera can pick you up and decide that you're worth further attention. If there's a demonstration there on Sunday, which there will be, the, the cameras will scan and see people with a bad attitude. And I might have a bad attitude as far as police, police Scotland are concerned. This, even Tory MPs have resigned because this is too intrusive. It was stopped being used in London. It was stopped. We have to stop it in Glasgow. Look, um, Mr. Napier, I really appreciate we have to wrap up. Um, it's... Uh been really good having you with the rest of our guests uh, great Thank pleasure um, uh, sorry that we have to come to an end Dr. Butty um, 
if you have a couple seconds to wrap up, uh, you want to. Thank you for the invitation, friends. Can I can I waive my huge uh, appearance fee for a very small advert? Can I advertise our? Yes. Ask Go on. To join it. www.scottishpsc.org.uk and you'll find a lot of material there that's useful. And hey, we would want more Muslims to join because Muslims in the whole of Palestine are a second-rate class of citizens, according to Israel. So we need you to join us. Thank you very much for the invitation. I do appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining. And Dr. Butti, thank you for joining as well. Do you want to uh, wrap up with saying something? I just want to say thank you to all the guests for coming on. It's a very emotive subject. Um, I hope that you know things improve and improve rapidly. And I think we all got a, we've all got a, a responsibility to to do what we can to bring peace um, as quickly as possible to that region. And I think we've also got a responsibility to stand up for for justice as well. So um, it's not just about waving a flag. I think we've got to uh, to make efforts with our MPs. Uh, or MSPs and our elected representatives and, you know, um, stand up for, for justice. Absolutely. Um, I think it's imperative that we all stand up um, for justice in whatever ways we can and um, not let this go this time. And I would leave, leave it on that. Thank you very much for listening. This is the last show for the year for um, our late night live slot. So it's been a pleasure um, to have you all listening for your support for the various charities. Let's not forget about Yemen as well. Let's not forget about the issues with the Muslim Uyghurs. And, you know, injustice occurs all over the world. Um, unfortunately, this is currently one of the worst episodes that has occurred so thank you all for joining. It's been a, a great pleasure. And Dr. Butti, Jazakallah. Jazakallah. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, listeners. Allah Hafiz. And good night.